Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. You are listening to the Coming Out Tapes, an audio archive of LGBT stories. I'm your host, Kerish Bradley, and throughout this season, I'll be talking to lots of different people from the community about lots of different things connected to coming out. Welcome back to the Coming Out Tapes. This episode is all about coming out as a kid. I have two excellent interviews with wonderful people who have reflected on their experiences coming out as teenagers and started projects to help others and make something positive. This week we're chatting to Beth Watson, a drag king and theatre maker who has turned her teenage diary into a piece of theatre. And next week we're talking to Dan Bregman, who is a math teacher and runs an LGBTQ plus group at his school. When Beth and I were recording, uh, we did that at the Barbican Centre and I didn't clear my SD card before we started recording so um, it ran out of memory uh, sort of halfway through the recording and we had to switch to using Beth's phone. Um, You can still hear everything but you will notice the kind of change in audio quality when we change devices. Sorry about that. Uh, Okay, so uh, I am interviewing the wonderful Beth Watson um, at the Barbican on what is currently the hottest day of the year 34 35 but will only be the hottest day of the year until tomorrow, tomorrow <laughs> when the gates of hell literally open and london becomes like 40 degrees i blame boris johnson i mean it's not a coincidence is it no um so we're sat outside with some cold drinks to talk about coming out yay um so do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners hi my name's beth what should I say about myself? Um, so, uh, tell us anything that you think we would need to know for the stuff that you're going to chat about later. Okay, my name's Beth. I am from Brighton. I was brought up in Brighton. That's important. Uh, I am a actor, performer, theatre maker, um, and a bisexual do you always say it with that facial expression? Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, what other things? You're a critically acclaimed drag performer. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, critics? Me. <laughs> okay. Um, I just like hedged my bets. <laughs> Presume that the family jewels is like won something. No. <laughs> oh, okay. What we've else? never had. We've never invited any critics. We don't need their approval. No. Should, okay. <laughs> we just do it for the fans. Um, a fan approved. Yes. Drag King Collective, a sexy and eclectic Drag King Collective, I call it. That is impressive diction, I thought. I trained. Um, 
And also a graduate of the Keris Bradley London Business School comedy course. <laughs> yes, my proudest achievement. <laughs> that might have been one of the biggest crowds I've ever played to that night. Yeah. It's so weird getting people to do their first ever performance to like 300 MBA students. They didn't have a clue who I was. No. <laughs> they didn't mind. You did very well though, so it was all good. There was a bisexual in the front row who came up to me afterwards and was like, I'm bisexual too! That's amazing. And that made it all worthwhile. Excellent. Um, so, you are bisexual. Uh, I was about to say, why are you bisexual? But that's not the question that I want to <laughs> ask. Um, Don't get deep. Can you, uh, can you like define what bisexuality means uh, from, for you? from your perspective? What does bisexuality mean to you? It means... Um, I have the potential to be sexually attracted to people whether they have the same gender identity as me or not, whatever gender they have and whatever sex they have and what genitals aren't important, gender expression isn't a thing that necessarily factors into who I want, might want to go out with or sleep with or snog. Just, you have a very sweet face for someone who's saying the word snog. <laughs> um, so have you always used the word bisexual to describe your sexuality? No. I think the only one I've never used to describe my sexuality was uh, straight. Um, <laughs> but when I was a teenager, I sort of identified myself with the words that got thrown at me at school. So I was lesbo or dyke or queer which were all words that I sort of felt like I was reclaiming because they were words that were initially applied to me by, by bullies and then I was like yeah that's so dykey means it's so cool so shut up uh, and then sort of realised I was attracted to boys as well which was a bit of a Bummer. crisis yeah uh, it's such a classic concept uh, sorry uh, that's such a classic comeback yeah it's like yeah sure if dyke means cool then yeah i'm a dyke yeah i mean me and my friend actually made um so they used to do this joke in my school where they'd be like oh you dropped your gay card and then you'd look down and be like oh i'm not gay shut up so we actually made gay cards so we made like a little piece of card that had like a rainbow on it and said like certified gay and we like put them in our pocket so that if a like really stupid boy would be like oh you dropped your gay card i would be like no it's right here in my pocket it must be yours that's amazing. I wish that I had known 16-year-old you. <laughs> I was a very sassy child. <laughs> Never better. Um, uh, okay, so when when did you first come out as bisexual? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think I had an official coming out ever. Um, I, yeah, I just sort of started going out with the people I was going out with. So you don't remember the first time that you said the word, like, to yourself? No. I don't remember it, which is something I've sort of had to notice myself um, from looking at my teenage diaries. So I'm making a show that's based on my teenage diaries. And I um, noticed that in the diaries, although I talk about boys I fancy and girls I fancy, um, with, like, just, that's just the way it is, um, I never used the word bisexual in the whole diaries. So from like 13 to 17, I never, ever, ever once in the diary mentioned the word bisexual, which is really strange to me because it's really obvious from reading it that that's what I am. But there's, there's a part where I'm about 16 where I have a bit of a crisis because I'm like, oh, I'd started identifying myself as a lesbian and saying, yeah, I'm a dyke. And in school when I was like 14, 15, to kind of say fuck you to bullies, but then also acknowledge that that, kind of was what I was I was fancying girls and then um I was like oh maybe I fancy a boy does that mean I'm straight and I every time I put that in the diary it's like a question mark like am I straight or like oh why do I have to fancy a girl as well why can't I just be straight so I was clearly like not ever really thinking I was straight but I, I had this idea from society that all you could be was gay or straight so, do you remember the first time that you like encountered the concept of bisexuality? It was probably through like pop culture of like David Bowie, and because I was a big fan of him, and uh, I was a huge fan of the band Placebo. Ah. So, Brian Molko was like a famous bisexual, famously bisexual, and also famously uh, very sexually promiscuous and used to sleep with loads of fans and used to like talk about all the famous people he'd had sex with and all his interviews um I think he yeah 
he's sort of got this reputation for being like a very highly sexed bisexual um and so probably from him or david bowie or mott bolan maybe because i was into kind of glam rock and stuff like that so that's probably where i first heard the word bisexual i don't remember it ever being covered in our psc lessons um but it was sort of section 28 era so we didn't cover huge amounts of anything despite the fact that a lot of our teachers were gay um do you remember the first time that you like came out as bisexual no Sorry. This will be the <laughs> shortest interview in the whole I of the coming I do not outtakes. remember the first time I heard the word. I don't remember the first time I said the word. Um, I remember saying things in high school like, oh, I'm trisexual. I'll try anything once. <laughs> um, how, much, how much do you regret? How much do you want to just like uh, that just child slap now? that child? <laughs> trisexual. <laughs> like just honestly, it was, it's weird though. It's weird. Mm. It's weird that I didn't want to claim that label. So do you have, like, any any coming out stories? <laughs> this is the theme of the podcast. Um, well, I need to do as a better research on my guests. <laughs> as a bisexual, I think you're constantly having to come out because um, not in the dramatic, uh, mom, dad, I'm gay, but in the kind of day-to-day um, assumptions ch- you you have a choice whether to challenge the assumptions that people inevitably make about you depending on what context they've seen you in who they've seen you with um, there's always a moment where you kind of have to go should I correct them when they've just made an assumption or should I just let it slide so there are lots of times that I've had to say well actually so most of my coming out stories are like well actually um, I had a housemate who I lived with for a while and um, talked to about uh, my relationship with my boyfriend and um, she said something about heterosexual relationships and I was like well it's not technically a heterosexual relationship even though it's the two of us because I'm not a heterosexual and she was like what? <laughs> and I was like yeah <laughs> Do you think that um, like telling people that you're bisexual is kind of the only way that you come out as bisexual or do you think there are other ways? Uh, you can join lots of bisexual cabaret nights and play at bisexual events and join bisexual Facebook groups so that everyone sees that you're bisexual without having to ask you or without you having to sit them down and say, I know I'm going out with a man at the moment, but... <laughs> Just get it on a t-shirt. Just get it on a t-shirt, get it on a badge, get it in your hair colour... Get it now that the flag's becoming more recognised. I think it's going to become a lot easier. I really don't like the bisexual flag. <laughs> I feel so bad. Um, I saw a tweet the other day, which was someone saying that um, on the whole, like bise- bisexual versus pansexual kind of dichotomy, they were like, I don't really care about your particular opinion of the like nuanced difference in the definitions and why you identifying as pansexual means that you're like more woke as me than me being bisexual because uh, they're basically they could they can mean the same thing. So for me, it's all about the flag and the bisexual flag is much prettier than the ban- pansexual flag. And I almost responded, right, this is where I'm prepared to have this argument. <laughs> Are you nuts? The pansexual flag is lovely and the bisexual flag is so ugly. Oh my god, I love the bisexual flag. I think it's really pretty. I just, I really... Because I make a lot, so many posters for our show. Yeah. Um, and for like the cabarets that we do, I really don't like those colours. Yeah. yeah. And I really like the pansexual flag. And so for the, I was the person, wonderful person, Hannah Cameron, who designed our um, unfortunate bisexual pride, uh, pride Edinburgh posters and flyers I was like so this is the bisexual flag I don't like it can you use the pansexual flag instead but can you make it bisexual flag enough that our potential audience doesn't think that we just don't know the difference between the pansexual flag and bisexual flag (laughs) so I now have a hybrid bisexual pansexual flag I love that it's like the so it's the dark blue purple pink and then the pink on the bisexual is the same pink on the pansexual and then yellow they kind of merge into each other and that's the that's the only way i can stomach the bisexual (laughs) i find it because the pansexual flag is so reliant on the particular shades of like the blue yellow and pink if you just have blue yellow and pink together it doesn't look like Mm. it if they're the wrong shade it doesn't look like that flag which is a bit too like too specific and niche for me whereas with the with the pink purple blue you can pretty much have any shade of pink purple blue and it will look like a bisexual flag so you can do it quite easy with like rhinestones on a drag costume etc 
Speaking from experience. Speaking from experience of gluing lots of pink, purple and blue rhinestones onto a costume. Did you make your uh, trousers that you were wearing at Elfest this weekend? I took a pair of blue sequined leggings and added pink and purple rhinestones to those leggings to they make them incredible. more bisexual. <laughs> I bought those in about 2008 at Topshop <laughs> and I didn't wear them for about nine years. And then one year I went to Pride on my own to try and join in and I was wearing those leggings and I was wearing a I was wearing like a, a human bisexual flag so I was wearing like a pink top that uh, cut off at the belly and then a longer purple top for my midriff and those um blue sequin leggings and I was like just walking around Soho trying to make friends um and I did not make any friends. I barely talked to anyone. Then the heavens opened and it started raining. And my boyfriend arrived with a flag, with an um, umbrella to rescue me. Just as I had started chatting to this group of like queer people who I presume to be women who were like chatting away to me. And then this man with, a, with an umbrella arrived and rescued me. And I felt like I'd been lying to them. Like I was a huge fraud because here was my like knight in shining armor. So I must be a heterosexual. Um, but yeah, that was terrible. That was like a few years ago. That sounds tragic. Um, I'm glad that you clarified that the costume was a costume and not a, not a bisexual flag that you had made out of a human. <laughs> no. Made out of human skin. Human, human flag. Um there are lots of people who go to Pride by themselves to make friends, and I am in awe of their ability to do that. I didn't, didn't succeed. <laughs> I tried, trisexual. <laughs> um, okay, so that was kind of a coming out story of sorts because it's of. kind of coming out as bisexual. Yeah. Oh, I also that day I was wearing a, a letter B on my shirt, and somebody at work asked me oh, why are you going to Pride? Isn't that just for gay people? And I said, no, it's LGBT. That's what this B stands for. And they were like, oh, Beth? And I was like, <laughs> yes, I am the B in LGBT. Just me. <laughs> That's what this B on my shirt stands for. I mean, I did have a B badge because my name's Beth, but it was just a happy coincidence. I was like, I'm going to wear this. I'm going to represent. And I literally felt like I was the only B in the entire Pride. Amazing. So it's, do you identify as lesbian, gay, Beth? or transgender. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing, that's the acronym. Uh, this year you were marching uh, with B with a T? Yep. What, uh, can you, what's that? So, uh, this was an amazing uh, kind of all, all sexualities um, turn out for the towards the front of the parade we were just behind dykes on bikes who were who were leading at the very front um and it was basically a reaction to last year's pride where a load of turfs turned up at the front and kind of protested against trans rights um and uh, so the, not this year just gone but last year was the first time i'd ever marched in the parade with like marched in the parade um i'd been going to pride ever since i was a little kid but i'd never been part of pride um i just been sort of a felt like a bit of an onlooker and so when my friend sadie said to me do you want to march with like a bisexual community float i was like oh my god that sounds amazing i've never been part of a bisexual community before what even is that um so i showed up wearing the same outfit that i'd worn a couple of years before on my own and and everyone else is wearing purple, pink and blue. And, and there was a whole group of people all wearing pink, purple and blue or uh, blue, pink and yellow, the pan colours as well, because it's a bi-inclusive, bi-umbrella organisation. Um, and so we all marched together and we had this really amazing time, like kind of um, asserting our presence in a space where a lot of us have previously felt like we kind of don't quite fully belong. Um even though we're, you know, the letter there in the LGBTQ, we're there, but some of us hadn't been to Pride before or had been to Pride but felt like we weren't, didn't exactly feel welcomed. And so we had this amazing kind of euphoric time. It was like a gorgeous sunny day. And then afterwards we all checked our phones once we got a signal back on our phones after being in a really crowded area and saw that the front of the parade, the reason why we've been delayed for so long waiting to march... Um, 
and I just assumed because I'd never marched before I just assumed that was normal that you would kind of have to wait around for a few hours in the sun before you marched but in fact the reason why we'd been delayed was because this group very very small group of people had bought like an anti-trans flag um, banner thing and decided to disrupt the front of the parade to say that uh, they didn't want lesbians and trans people to be in the same LGBT acronym, um, which was horrible. And we all felt really furious about it. We were so angry that they would do this. And we felt a bit helpless because it felt like to do anything more than say one thing about it on social media like would be to feed their egos and give them more attention and because they were such a small group we were kind of like well we'll say that it was bad and then just kind of like don't talk about it anymore because like I don't want sort of like I didn't want to have to give them the satisfaction of getting all the headlines and getting all the conversation and the conversation is about so much more than their little bigoted bubble so um but I still felt like I wanted to do something so then this year um a group which included a lot of the same people who'd uh created the bi community float the year before uh, organized to march with a um a group that was uh so we had b with the t l with the t g with the t pride with the t and they basically it was a series of community groups that had worked with the pride organizers to make a stand against that protest that happened last year so um to say like um we stand with trans people we include trans people some of us are trans so you can't say chuck the t out of our acronym because a lot of us identify as l b g and t um so it was kind of it was it was a positive way of like tackling something that had the previous year been really really horrible did you wear the same outfit yeah i did <laughs> but this year i added extra rhinestones to it amazing and then i incorporated it into one of my drag costumes lovely um okay so final question uh what does coming out mean to you um coming out to me means that we're not there yet because it's a chore for me to have to do constantly and it's kind of annoying because so many people still associate bisexuality with like um I don't want to say, oh, it's bad to associate bisexuality with promiscuity because promiscuity is bad. But I want to say that, like, basically, when people hear about bisexuality, they hear sexuality before they hear anything else, I feel. And so it makes sort of talking about bisexuality into talking about sex. It makes it feel like you're bringing up sex because it's about the potential of who you might have sex with or who you might go out with rather than the sureness of I'm going to be with you know, if you come out as gay, it's like, I'm going to be with a man and you should know this about me because it's going to affect, like, it's definitely, you know, like, this is who my partner is going to be. Whereas for for bisexuals, I feel like you, you kind of have to come out as having the potential of having partners who are other than the one that you're with, which feels like society disapproves of you. And so I feel like coming out for me is annoying and... Uh, and it's something I thought I had, didn't have to do for a, a long time because um, I thought, well, why should anyone have to come out? Everyone should just make no assumptions about anyone else and then it wouldn't have to be a big announcement. And, like, I will just never assume that anyone's straight. I always, until proven otherwise, assume that everyone's pretty much bisexual until they're like, no, I definitely am monosexual. And I feel like I always thought it should be the other way around, that everyone should be assumed to have the potential to be attracted to anyone else unless they have a particular strong feeling about it. Um, but I realised actually that that's not the case because that's not the assumption that people make. And so that's why it's annoying to have to constantly come out. Um, yeah, because it feels like I wish the world would not make assumptions about people and then everyone would have to say, but they would only ever have to say it to people they were dating. Like, I, I, for years, for years in my life, I only ever had the conversation about my sexuality with people I was on a date with. You know, I would ask them, oh, so, you know, what's your sexuality? Like, you know, the same way you do with, like, oh, are you, what are you into kind of thing. Um, and I just didn't bring it up when I wasn't with someone I was interested in dating or dating. Um, I would just sort of let it slide and either let them make assumptions 
or occasionally challenge on them, but not really talk about it beyond that. Um, but I think in the last couple of years, because of the stuff, because of the pride communities that I've seen arising and because of uh, delving into making autobiographical theatre, I've like looked through my diaries and found that as, as a teenager, I didn't have any bi role models and I didn't have much language to describe bisexuality. Even though I was quite happy talking about sex in my teenage diaries, I didn't have a word to use to describe the feeling of that identity beyond who I was having sex with. So um, I think I've started doing it more and being more proactive with it in the last few years. So coming out has become a bit more of a just everyday thing that I do constantly rather than an annoying thing that I have to do to correct people yeah very good well not quite rambling no 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 (laughs) interesting hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Um, so, you have been out of shoes. Thanks, Stephen Machachi. Um, <laughs> Cancer Research, Crystal Palace. It's a great charity shop. <laughs> so you're working on this show at the moment? Yeah. What's, can you, what's the name of the show? <laughs> the show is called Hasbian. And it's called Hasbian because that was what a lesbian at school called me when I started going out with a boy. Um, and so it was the first time that a word had been flung at me that was not from a homophobic perspective, but was from the other perspective of like gay people not being accepting of bisexuality um and i think it because the show is not just about sexuality but it's about me coming from the place i come from like brighton and it it having this veneer of being very inclusive and like thinking that it's the the gay capital of the uk but actually doesn't include everyone and isn't the perfect utopia that it thinks it is um so it's about that and it's also about kind of um bullying and so it's about like I was bullied at school and I sort of only realized looking back that being bullied being bisexual and being um and mental health were all interlinked into a vicious circle and that by being a bit more open with about all of those things it could combat the any negative sides of any of them so that's so the show's about being called names, so hence why I used Hasbian, because that's the name that, out of all the names that I got called at school, um, that was the one that um, hurt the most, because it came from somebody who I thought of as being part of, as being an ally. 
Uh, okay, so we've just moved to the fountain room um, <laughs> because two guys just like came and sat at our table. Didn't even ask. Didn't even ask. Sat right next to us. Rude. No. Okay, so your show has been. Yeah. Um, sounds actually quite hard. To nah, write. it's really funny. It's really fun. It's been really funny. My teenage self is a long time ago, so it feels very much like. I am exploring a character, but it's a character that I automatically have an arsenal of mannerisms for and facts that I know about them that aren't in the text. <laughs> so I've basically taken my teenage diaries and excavated them and added in some context about what I was like as a teenager, what I was like as a child. And it's very funny because I was a wanker. <laughs> As a teenager. Like, absolutely. Just had so much to say for myself. I was so full of myself. I was full of, like, what I thought were really witty jokes. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I, what did I say in the description? It bubbles up in the place between youthful self confidence and um, teenage angst. So it's like teenage kind of self doubt and fear but all overlaid with this massive veneer of like, I'm the best. Oh, I'm so awesome. I was, it's also um, like, I was obsessed with pop culture. So it's also full of like 90s and early noughties references. And like, I've, in the diary, I've changed all the names to uh, stars from movies of the late 90s and early noughties to protect the privacy of all my friends, but also to give the audience a good laugh. Um, I was obsessed with Cruel Intentions and I really wanted my diary to be like Sebastian in Cruel Intentions who uses his journal as um, like a, a diary of his conquests, like sexual conquests, where he basically like stalks women and takes their virginity. So that was my idol when I was 14. But it's just hilarious because it's, I don't live up to that idol, obviously. I don't, I'm not, I wasn't like the Lothario of the Upper East Side, like he is. But um, it's it's been really interesting to look back and see how my behaviour was influenced by having role models like that, who were really actually quite, um, like, rapey. I, whenever I look back at who I was as a teenager, I cringe so hard. So I just, I don't understand how you're able to stomach it. Presumably because you were, like... Because I'm a different person now. Like, I'm completely different. It's like looking at somebody else, but I have an insider understanding of where that person was coming from. Has uh, doing this, making this show, has it affected how you see yourself now? Or is it completely compartmentalised? Um, I think it's... Mm, it's mostly compartmentalised because I feel very different to what I was then, and I'm, I'm reading a lot of it going... How on earth did I think that? Why on earth would I say that? That's complete shock to me. Or I don't remember any of that. Or I don't remember that that was how it happened. Um, but I think it's actually made me maybe be a bit kinder to myself because it's made me recognise myself as like a maybe being a bit vulnerable. And I tend to be quite quite tough and put up a veneer still. Um and so I think being able to see so clearly my teenage vulnerabilities shining through makes me sort of look at myself now and go, oh, you still are a bit like that. And also because I have quite a lot of, especially for my like very young and child self and for myself that's sort of going, why can't I just be straight? Everything would be so much easier if I was straight. I end up, I has made me feel quite a lot of sympathy, even though I was a bit of an asshole. like to have a bit of sympathy for the shit that happened to me that I didn't have any control over and that I probably needed someone to just give me a hug and be nice to me and I didn't really allow that to happen because I was a bit like fuck off everyone get away from me um so I sort of see try I, I see that in myself now and try and treat myself a bit better because I'm like oh inside there is still like a vulnerable little person who doesn't really understand how the world works and just give them a little rest once in a while stop working so hard um, so where so you've, you've performed the show yeah I performed it once at Omnibus in Clapham which is such a lovely theatre 
They are so nice there. It's like right next to Clapham Common, surrounded by greenery in this gorgeous old library building that um, shock horror, a fringe theatre that has wheelchair access. <gasps> Amazing. And they have a cat. Um, and they're getting a refurb, like a million, I don't know, £150,000 refurb. And I think they're like just one of the best things about South London. So I was really happy to do it, a little performance there, like a scratch performance. How did it go? It went well. I had really good feedback from both people who sort of recognised elements of themselves in their own upbringing and from people who said, there was an older person who said I didn't get any of the pop culture references, but I still really felt for you. And I was like, yes. And there was other people who said, oh, you know, I've never doubted my sexuality or I wasn't bullied in school, but... I still was with you on the journey or I still recognise stuff about my teenage years because I'm the same age or something. So it felt like affirming in... One of the things I wanted to check by doing a scratch of it is whether a, a story that's so personal or biographical has has lots to say for and speaks to people who aren't me <laughs> or didn't know me. Um, and what are your plans with the show? Uh, do it again. Maybe make it a bit better <laughs> with the help of a team. Uh, so I'm putting together a team for it. I'm elite team. I'm exactly crack squad of um, hopefully LGBTs uh, creatives who are gonna take it out of my hands so that I don't have to direct myself, produce myself, all of that stuff, and stick my own rhinestones on. So my goal for kind of taking it into 2020 is like find an amazing producer find an amazing director find amazing people to consult with the um movement with the comedy with the music i want to find an incredible sound and video designer so that it can look incredible um and not just look like i have put it together on google um docs and then projected bits pictures and because there's lots of projection in it but at the moment i'm so technologically incapable the projections are very DIY <laughs> keep an element of the DIY but have some creatives who can get excited by the ideas that I've had and not been able to fulfill myself um, I might have some more ideas as well so yeah I just I just want to get really good people to do it with and then I'm sure we'll find the the right spaces will will be there I'm sure uh would you be up for giving us a little excerpt yeah I need to find my scripts because I don't know my lines. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Hold on a minute. Um, let me just find my script on my phone. I'm working with a director for the first time. Are you? Hello, Elise. Uh, it's amazing. Because yeah. now, when I'm like, this bit doesn't work, I have someone else who can be like, it doesn't work because of this reason. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it makes so much sense. I worked on it for a very little bit because when I did, they do this amazing night called Engine Rooms at Omnibus and um, part of that is the, the artistic director of Omnibus, Marie, comes and gives you like a, a, a an hour or so of her time and when I worked with Marie we sort of worked on um, what all the different objects in the show means and like kind of um, connecting with the world of the show and some specific emotional key points where I don't actually talk so I'd you know I'd got this barrage of text but there were moments of transition in between that it just really needed somebody else to be there and ask me the right questions and sort of feed me ideas and I just came well it's because I'm an actor and I'm used to working with directors so I was like oh, oh now I know what to do now I know what to do but yes I can give you an extract of this what should I do with my face whilst you're doing the extract um. <laughs> so we're performing to an audience of one. Yeah. Well, one in my like fifty listeners. Wow, it's impressive. I don't know. Maybe I'll just um, look away from your face. So I'm not... you, you have you have had to do like you have had to perform to me before when I've been in note taking mode. That's funny. Yeah. So hopefully this will be less. With a room full of business students. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you want to hear a bit of has been? I would, I'm really excited because I, I wasn't able to come to scratch now and I was I was gutted. Okay. Well, I'll just do the beginning so it doesn't have any spoilers for when okay. you do get to see the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to. See okay. It. So this is the opening of the show. Okay. 
Hello, my name's Beth, but as soon as I learned how to speak, I called myself Dorothy, after the character in The Wizard of Oz. I referred to myself as Dorothy, always in the third person. So it would go, do you want some more spaghetti, Beth? Dorothy had enough. Have you finished on the potty, Beth? Dorothy done a poo. Don't touch the hot radiator, Beth. Don't touch the hot radiator, Dorothy. I was fully convinced that this little girl from Kansas that I'd watched over and over again on my knackered VHS was in fact a distant, far off, extremely grown up version of me. When I was four and the time came to start primary school, I hopped and skipped up the hill in my new red jelly shoes full of energy and enthusiasm. Dorothy was off on a new adventure. But I was an odd kid with an overactive imagination. The other kids, they didn't want to call me Dorothy. They thought of a few names for me. Instead, they called me Gorilla Girl when they saw my hairy arms. They called me Slow Coach when they noticed my dyspraxia and dyslexia long before any of my teachers noticed. Um, and they called me Coco the Clown because I went to a weirdly fashion-conscious primary school <laughs> where the only, only peak 90s black-and-white Adidas tracksuits would do. But I was dressed in late 80s hand-me-downs from my cousins, which involved neons and florals. So once in the changing rooms right before PE lesson and um, I was aware by this point I was getting something really drastically wrong when it came to clothes and I was keen to educate myself so I took a curious glance at a nine-year-old in uh, a lavishly embroidered Tammy girl crop top and she noticed me. Uh, do you fancy me? Are you gay? Are you a pedo? A pedo. We were both nine so I resigned myself to the fact that being slower than the other kids and hairier than the other kids and perpetually oddly dressed meant that I was definitely a weirdo. I figured it would be hard to make friends. So I retreated into an imaginary dream world of fairy tale, fiction and films. I immersed myself in shimmery old Hollywood movies, the dark weirdness of Roald Dahl stories, the bright tacky sheen of 90s TV and once a year in the sparkly magic of the local Christmas panto. In my head, I was Matilda. I was Jack and the Beanstalk. I was Gene Kelly and Singing in the Rain. And I was Scylla on Blind Date. I had so many heroes. I was always looking for one that I could relate to as strongly as I related to Dorothy. But none of them ever quite lived up to her. I guess because as well as wanting to be brave and strong and live life in technicolour like Dorothy, I also kind of wanted to have friends like hers as well. So I wanted to have the lion and the scarecrow and the tin man and Glinda the Good Witch by my side. I wanted to have friends who were as loyal and steadfast and as unashamedly flamboyant as they were. Then when I was, in, when I was 11, in the final year, the final year before the end of school, the final excruciating nail in the coffin of junior school, that summer, in the final term, a sunny Saturday morning, my parents took me down to the end of my street to watch the local annual Pride Parade. So, I mentioned earlier, I'm from Brighton. And Brighton is the gay capital of the UK. So there were rainbow flags and shop windows. My parents' friends held hands with their same-sex partners in the street. And even though this was the late 20th century, same-sex marriage was decades off and civil partnerships were but a distant twinkle in Tony Blair's eye, the general vibe around town where I lived was that it was definitely at least okay to be gay. So as far as I was concerned, Pride as an event was as much a part of the calendar as Christmas or Easter or Flying Ant Day. But this was the first time we'd headed down the road as a family, especially to see the parade. And what a sight. The streets were flooded with the most spectacularly beautiful array of humanity you could possibly imagine. I drank it all in. I wasn't yet old enough to be embarrassed by the thought of being within five feet of a leather daddy's thong while standing next to my actual dad. But I felt something. These towering drag queens with their sequin dresses like glittering skies, the shiny polished skin of the oiled up dancing boys, the soft beards and rugged chests of the bears. Here they were, the lion, the tin man, and Glinda, the good witch. And then came the wave of flannel clad, spiky haired, twinkly eyed late 90s dykes, the vision of Dorothy's most beloved companion, the scarecrow.
And suddenly I understood why they called these people the friends of Dorothy. A little rainbow glow fizzed in my heart and stars sprang to my eyes. I knew that if I could carry the power of these people with me to my new school in September, then I would be fearless. Once I got to secondary school, I would seek out anyone else with a rainbow glint in their eye. And I felt like they'd be there for me. We'd look after each other and everything would be okay. They're so nice. Yeah. And then I get to secondary school and it all goes a bit... Uh... <laughs> so that's the, like, nice, wholesome beginning to the story where I think, I found my queer community. Um, but obviously, not all of that is a happy ride when you get to a, a comprehensive sick form with uh, boys who shout at you and call you a dyke. So actually, what you were saying earlier about your first Pride Parade going by yourself, that was not your first Pride Parade. No, uh, it's my first London Pride. So um, when I was a kid, I used to go to Brighton Pride all the time. So I went down with my parents to have a look and like get sweets off drag queens. And then uh, when I was a teenager, we used to rock up to the park when it, when it used to be free. The Brighton Pride charges a huge amount for tickets now and has people like Britney Spears playing. But um, in my day, it was free and you could just go to the park with a tin of cider with your friends and listen to like Gina G. Um, so it was... It was, it was, it did feel like a kind of small local family community event, as well as like there were all stalls selling dildos and stuff. And that was really funny as a teenager to be like, oh, look at the leather daddy stall. Um, uh, yeah, I just loved it. And then, but then when I got to London, Pride was like this big corporate, like thousands of twinks descended upon Soho kind of competitive vibe to it. And, and very much like, oh, look, all the banks are here and the police are here. And it didn't feel like a bunch of people spontaneously took to the street to have a party and express themselves. It felt like uh, more of an organised thing that you sort of kind of maybe had to be invited to somehow or you had to have your, your group to go with. And I never did have my group to go with until I had this friend who's also doing a play about about a character who happens to be bisexual. Is that um, the algorithms play? That is algorithms, yeah. And uh, so we have worked together in theatre shows that are not about bisexuality, but we kind of made friends and bonded over that And um, because she had a very different, different experience to me of realising that she was bisexual after sort of identifying as straight. It's kind of the reverse of what I had, which is realising I was bisexual as a teenager after identifying as lesbian dyke type person yeah so how are people going to find out the next time that husband is hitting the stage uh follow me on social meds at beth what can i do um yeah follow me on the, on the instagram and the twitter and follow my drag company yes would you like to do a little plug for family jewels yes i would uh the Family Jewels, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at The Family Jewels Drag or there's like a shorter version of that handle on Twitter because they're stupid but it's if you search for The Family Jewels, uh, we basically met just over a year ago doing a drag course together and formed a company and we've just had an amazing year. We've done our own shows at DIY Space and Vault Festival that sold out. We recently played The South Bank on their like outside free stage where we had to do loads of PG stuff which was a challenge and then not for me actually because my drag character is very pg but like a lot of the company do some very incredible sexy material that we were like mm, this is too much thrusting for children at four o'clock in the afternoon um but that was great we, we managed it and we, we we did good stuff and then we most recently played l fest which was an experience like thousand lesbians in a field um they enjoyed the, the drag collective even though we're not all lesbians I, Some of us are has been. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I did a show called The Unfortunate Bisexual at Elfhurst this yeah. year. Yeah, so. I was really pleased by the um, crowd that you got and the like yeah, vocal cool. support. The family Jules drag um, because you do the dating show. Mm-hmm. The person that you got up from the audience to be in the dating show is my new idol um, because this is a person who looks like they come to Elfhurst and sort of like let their hair down. And then goes like Tuesday morning is back in guide gear, yeah, a jamboree. But they were one hundred percent in love with Dicky Martin, and like just just like 
so many emotions and it was just one of the most joyous things that I've ever seen in my life. I really, yeah really enjoyed that I really enjoyed all of the audience participation at Elfest I was a bit wary about it because you go to a festival you're like oh god we're a late night stage people might be coming and going they might not get what we're doing they might be really drunk but actually every single person who we got because I do a lot of my drag involves audience interaction because I can't single dance so I do like comedy where I get people up on stage and make them feel good about themselves um not embarrassing anyone uh so I got people up on stage to help them like rally the audience and feel good about themselves and everyone was so lovely like everyone was totally up for it um there was nobody who was like drunk and distracting attention they were all just like the most charming sweetest like involved audience so yeah and we will have played by pride festival which is going to be amazing great um cool so thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us your work thank you and we'll direct all of the listeners to social media yes Beth what can I do amazing Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the coming out tapes i have been your host karis bradley and i would like to say thanks to scary boots for the artwork which is available to purchase on redbubble michaela moody for the music and alex lathbridge of the smart material collective for his support of the project if you want to get involved please tweet at us because we'd love to hear your thoughts comments and questions if you liked this episode subscribe and leave us a review or recommend us to a friend because it makes a big difference you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.